Jesus died for us. and We give thanks as we gather around the table to share the bread and the cup which give us a concrete reminder that we can taste of Jesus' sacrifice. Our scripture reading is from Psalm 25, 1-9. through 9. I'll be reading from our Pew Bible today, the New, Inter- New International Version. It's on page 545. Psalm 25, 1-9. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, and you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all the day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way. Let us pray. Through grace, the charming sound, O God, harmonious to the ear, You forgive us of our sins. Now we pray that by Your grace, You would tune our ears to hear what You would say to us today. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When I was in Divinity School, I had the privilege for a little over two years to be the interim pastor at the Mount Hermon Baptist Church of Orange County, North Carolina, about eight miles from Duke, eight miles from Chapel Hill. Very interesting, that, you know, that distance. Uh, like us at Fifth Avenue, we had a fellowship meal every Wednesday night. Only we were not blessed to have the All Goods and many others prepare the meal for us. We catered, we had the meal catered. We were a smaller church, and so every Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock, I would drive into Durham to the Shrimp Boat Restaurant. Let that resonate in your mind, Shrimp Boat Restaurant. Conjure what they might serve at the Shrimp Boat Restaurant. Uh, And I would load up into the truck the one large plate of the one meat for the night that the Shrimp Boat had provided for us, the two large uh, bins of the two vegetables that they provided for us, the one tray of the dessert, And then the large quantities of hush puppies. Hush puppies were the specialty at the shrimp boat. I confess that often I would get into the hush puppies on the way from the shrimp boat to the church. But that's just our little secret. Nobody in that church knew that I did that. So we would enjoy, like we do here, wonderful fellowship, wonderful food, uh, gathering together, and then after we would eat, we went to Bible study and children's activities and youth activities and then choir uh, later in the evening. Well, it was a fall day, uh, much like today, much like the weather is today on a Wednesday evening. I did my normal shrimp boat run, and we had dinner, we had the wonderful fellowship time, and it was so pretty outside that uh, we, we, about 15 minutes before youth activities were to start, uh, went out with the youth to play basketball. We had a little gravel court with one goal on it right next to the parking lot. We had one a middle school boy who was particularly um, 
blessed with the gift of gab, but he loved to challenge and talk trash to me. And so uh, I listened to him and played basketball fairly hard uh, in that moment. And somewhere in the middle of those 15 minutes of playing basketball, I blacked out. I passed out. I fainted. I remember as clear as day, I was in my mid-twenties, I remember as clear as day falling back and just seeing the blue skies as my, the back of my head hit, hit the gravel. Well, it was only for a moment, um, and you know, I was back to normal fairly quickly, but the next day I went to the infirmary at school and they did some tests and they did an EKG and they found something about my heart that they didn't, didn't love, just a little concerned about, so they scheduled an echocardiogram where they take those pictures of your, of your heart. And so a couple of days later, I'm in, in the hospital and I'm getting the echocardiogram. And then the next day or maybe a couple of days later, I get called into the doctor's office who had looked at uh, the chart, the readings from my echocardiogram. And he said, your heart's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with your heart. Uh, we had discussed the events of that day, that Wednesday, and we had discussed my family history. He said, you have no family history of heart disease. Heart, heart disease. I can see nothing wrong with, with your heart. And then he said, let's talk about those hush puppies for a moment. <laughs> and he said, as best you can, estimate how many hush puppies you ate that Wednesday afternoon before playing basketball. And I said, um, 18, 20-ish, you know. I... He said, it could be. It's not conclusive. But there could be a connection in your hush puppy intake and then your strenuous exercise and then your Passing out. Well, that's the fun part of the story. But the deeper part of the story is this. The main character in the story is the woman who administered the echocardiogram. So I go into this dark room. It's a big room in my memory. And I'm 25. And somebody from Duke who knows what they're talking about has just told me that I may have some heart problems. And so I'm anxious, a little nervous. And from the moment I walk in the room and the moment I sit in the chair, the woman who is administering the exam talks to me in a calm, soothing voice. And as she is moving the instrument that takes the image, the picture of my heart over my chest. She's asking me about my life. Where are you from? What's it like to be a student and a pastor at the same time? What church do you go to? She tells me about her church. We talk about the activities at her church. We talk about our family. And pretty soon, even though there's this very expensive instrument that's running over my body and giving readings of the insides of my body, even though that's happening, I'm not nervous anymore. I'm not afraid 
anymore. Because someone has blessed me with a calm presence and a deep interest in me. She was taking a picture. She was recording an image of my heart. But at the same time, she was connecting with my soul. We can take images of our hearts and it helps us to be healthy, to know what we need to change in terms of our lifestyles or what medicines we need to take or maybe even what operations we need to undergo. But we can't take pictures of our souls. We can't identify them. We can't isolate our souls. Our souls are this mysterious aspect of who we are, a gift from God. Our souls go to be with God in heaven when we die until Jesus returns. But until then, it's very hard to nail down the soul, to define the soul, to understand the soul. And What's worked best for me over the years? People have argued about this for centuries. But what works best for me in thinking about our souls, about my soul, is to think of the soul is as that deepest part of who you are, the core of who we are. That gift that God has placed in us that frames everything else about us and shapes who we are. That part of us that is at the core of our beings. And so the psalmist says in verse 1, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I lift up the deepest part of who I am. I lift up the core of my being. Lord, as I lift up my soul to you, this this is me at my best. This is us at our best. This is who we strive to be. This is who we long to be. We lift up all of ourselves to you, O God, as we lift up our soul. And then throughout the passage, the portion of the psalm that we've read today, we, give, we see evidence of the beautiful things that happen when we are able to lift our souls up to God. When we lift our souls to God, we're able to put our trust in God. Verse uh, 1 continues, goes on to say, In You, O Lord, I put my trust. In You, O Lord, I put my trust. As we lift up our souls to God, our very beings, the depth of who we are, we are placing our lives in God, God's hands. Verses 2 and 3 speaks of fear. Do not let me put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. This psalm is attributed to David. We don't know the specific uh, fears and enemies and shame that are attached to this psalm, but we, we know that David, the psalmist, expresses fear. And when we are lifting up our souls to God, we are not afraid to admit our fears. And by acknowledging our fears to God, we bring them before the Lord in trust. When we lift up our souls to God, we recognize that our ways are not the most important ways. God's ways are the most important. And so we say in verse 4 with the psalmist, Make me to know your ways. Teach me your ways. Lead me in your paths. 
we're able to seek the general guidance of God in our lives and the specific guidance of the Lord for specific areas, better able to do that when we have first been in the pattern of lifting up our souls to the Lord. And then the person who lifts up their soul to God is able to know and experience and be aware of the incredible steadfast love of the Lord. And that person is able to confess their sins to God. The psalm goes on to say, beginning in verse 6, Remember, O Lord, Your great mercy and love, they are from of old. This person knows, David knows of the love of God through lifting up his soul. Verse 7, Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to Your love, remember me, for You are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore He instructs sinners in His ways. When we lift up our souls to the Lord, we confess that we are sinners who fall short of God's glory. And we rejoice that God is good. That the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And through the grace of Christ, we are forgiven. And then finally in verse 9, the person who lifts up their soul to God can say, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way. To lift up our souls to God is, is an act of humility to say our lives are dependent upon God. And that humility before God leads us to humility before others. Recognizing that we are all fellow pilgrims, fellow strugglers, fellow sinners. Some of us know Jesus, some of us haven't met Jesus yet, but all of us are loved by God. And we as followers of Christ are called to love and embrace our neighbors as ourselves. And so the call, the invitation of Psalm 25 is to lift up our souls to God. How do we do that? As individuals, we do that every day as we pray and read the Scriptures. Perhaps this week, we may want to try as we awake each day to begin the day with these words, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. There are other psalm phrases to pray at the beginning of the day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer to pray at the beginning of the day. But whatever works, whatever fills you with joy and a sense of God's presence to lift up our souls to the Lord is to begin the day with some kind of prayer or saying of Scripture, a Scripture prayer that draws our souls and thus every part of us into the worship and the love and the service of God. And then every Sunday, we gather together in this place to lift up our souls together to the Lord. On this particular Sunday, a part of our lifting up of our souls is the sharing of the bread and the cup. And so as you come to the table, as we come to the table in just a moment, will you pray? To You, O Lord, I lift up my soul. 
And of course, every time we lift up our souls to God, whether in prayer or in worship, whether alone in solitude or with the gathered body of believers, we do so not in isolation, but mindful of our sisters and brothers around the world. Many of whom suffer, as these flags represent, in nations that are battling natural disasters and war. And in our own nation, in Texas, Houston, in Florida, in the West, we may be comfortable as we eat the Lord's Supper, as we come to the table, but other sisters and brothers around the world are not. And so we pray for them. And we come with them together to the table. We lift up our souls to the Lord as we eat the bread and the cup, mindful of our Christian brothers and sisters and all of our neighbors who suffer, all coming to the table to remember that Jesus, by His grace, His life, His death, and His resurrection, has forgiven us of our sins, given us life, and given us hope to witness and to work for God's kingdom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.